welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message. If you've got your Bible, you can look at Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Acts 16, 16. Easy to remember. So now it happened as we went to prayer. So the we here is Paul, Silas and Luke who authored Acts. That a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. So this slave girl has a demonic spirit, Paul thing, of prophecy. The masters are using her. And, uh, and Paul and Silas are facing this. Paul and Silas, they're, they're, they're called to, uh, to preach the gospel in Macedonia. Many of us would know the story. Paul gets a vision in the night and he concludes that, yes, God, you've called me to preach the gospel in Macedonia. So he's in a town at Philippi, but he faces this problem, doesn't he? He faces an issue, a challenge. And see, we all face problems in our life. We all face challenges. We all face things which, which are, where we, we can't see the solution, can we? There's times where, where, where we're like, God, what's going on here? I had a problem back when I was in my... Earlier, 20, <laughs> earlier 20s, um, it's called, a lot of people struggle with this, it's called lack of purpose. Lack of purpose. God, why am I here? What's my plan? What, do you have a plan for my life? What does my future look like? It's called lack of purpose. And see, I did the smart thing, which, uh, which was good. I went to the Word and I picked this up and I went to the Old Testament which was even more of a miracle at the time if you knew me. So I picked up this Bible and I started reading the scriptures. I started reading stories about how God just used ordinary people, didn't he? He used people. They didn't have to be special. You didn't have to be incredibly gifted, talented. Didn't have to have um, born into an incredible, uh, you know, rich family or any of this. But he just gave them a purpose. And see, it made me realize I took that as a promise. I said, you know what? God gives people purpose. He never creates anything meaningless. He creates you for a purpose, an assignment. And so as I held on to that over the next few months, over that next year, it began to solve my problem. And it made me realize that every problem that you ever face, every issue, every challenge, financial, in your business, with strategies, um, you know, increase, uh, in your life, physical health, with your family, relationships, every problem you ever face, the solution is in God's promise. It's in His promises for your life. Promise, whenever it's, it's used in the New Testament, it comes from the Greek where they use the, the term epigalia. And this term, it infers a legal right. So epigalia. And what's it saying is these promises... A covenant rights. See, God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. That means that God doesn't lie. If he gives a promise, it's your covenant right. It's a covenant right today. Romans 8.15 says that we've received the Holy Spirit, the spirit of sonship, the spirit of adoption, 
by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. And if we're children, then we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. So that means you're in Christ. Everything, everything that Jesus inherited is yours. It's yours today. They're, they're your covenant rights. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, All these promises... All the promises of God, all your covenant rights are yes through Jesus and unto us the amen is spoken. See, it's yes because Jesus paid the price for it. Because Jesus went to the cross, paid the ultimate price, so they're your promises today. It's not, well, I've been good this week, I've been bad, you know, I've, I've spent time in the Word, I haven't. No, it's yours, the yes. And unto us the amen is spoken. So that tells me something. It says... We have a responsibility, don't we? There's a responsibility for us to partner with it, to access the promise. And so this is what we're going to look at today. Paul and Silas, they face a few issues in this passage. And we're going to look at how do they take, how do they access God's promises here? How do we get this overcoming mindset where whatever problem we face, so you're always, there's always problems, good or bad. There's always going to be certain challenges you face. But how do we get the overcoming mindset of being able to overcome these challenges? And we're going to draw some principles out here from Paul and Silas. All right. So verse 18, they're facing this problem. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And the spirit came out that very hour. So this tells me something. This is, this is the first key is that Paul faces this challenge, he faces a problem, but he knows the promise, doesn't he? He knows the promise. He has knowledge, and he also has revelation because he accesses power. So this is the first key, is knowledge and revelation. He, he knows Luke 10, 19, I've given you all authority, says Jesus, to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. All of it. So he knows he has authority. So you can't access your covenant rights today if you don't know them. I mean, it's pretty simple, isn't it? If you don't know, 2 Peter chapter 1 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God who gives us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. So you've got to... See, it's, it's not hard. All the promises, all our covenant rights are in here. This is, this is the inspired Word of God, of the living God, of the, of the God who created the heavens and the earth. This is His inspired Word. So you just you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be a biblical scholar. You don't have to know the Bible back to front. You just got to get one scripture. Just one scripture. Just one. Just one. Get a get a promise for your problem. You can, you can take that catchphrase. Promise for your problem. You know, so you've got an issue with health. And you know, and I'm not hear my heart. I'm not downplaying problems today. I'm not downplaying there's impossibilities that people face. And I'm not downplaying these. I'm just saying that there's a solution. And this is a solution, okay? So health issues. So, okay, 1 Peter chapter 2.24, Isaiah 53.5, By his stripes we were healed, we are healed. Romans 8.11, The Holy Spirit lives in us and gives life to our mortal bodies. You know, you've got problems with your business, you need strategies. Well, one of your promises is you've got the mind of Christ. So he's going to give you strategies, the mind of Christ. You know, you're lacking in any area of your life. John 10.10, 10, Jesus came so that you would have abundant life. 
And so you just find a promise. Just find one. This, this word, this Bible, is a, a, a blueprint to your success. Amen. It is. Amen. See, knowledge is the foundation. We need knowledge, but it's also the, the key to the second aspect, which is revelation. Paul and Silas had a revelation because they accessed God's promises, didn't they? Through, through the power of it. And see, revelation, it, it, it brings the power of the promise to your life. So, you know, I can't have revelation without knowledge. So they're partnered together. Revelation comes from the Greek word apocalypsis. And yes, it means an unveiling. So, so it means a revealing. So people say, well, yes, um, revelations are revealing. Well, that's what it is. But it's also an unveiling. So if you think about it, the Holy Spirit lives in you. So when you get revelation, it's just an uncovering of the truth that's already within you. So no revelation is new to God, but it's new to you. Okay? So revelation. We only get that by partnering with the Holy Spirit. He's the only one who can bring revelation. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says that uh, no one knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man that was within him. So no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So it's only the Holy Spirit that can reveal the promises, the power of the promise within you. Jesus, in John chapter 5, verse 28, he comes to the Pharisees, these guys, experts in the law. They, they know the Old Testament back to front. They could recite passage after passage. They know it the best. But he says to them, you search the Scriptures because in them, in, in the Scriptures, you think you find eternal life in them. But the scriptures are the ones which point to me, which testify of me, of Jesus. And you're not willing to come to me. What's he saying? He's saying knowledge is great. Scripture is great. But there's no life in it until you partner with the Holy Spirit to bring life to it. See, the Holy Spirit brings eternal life to the promise in your life. He brings eternal life to the covenant we have with God. See, the letter kills... It doesn't mean it's bad. It just means there's no life in it. But the Spirit brings life. So Paul and Silas have this, don't they? They face this first problem, but they know a promise. We have all authority. Yep, got that. And the power has been uncovered within it. It's the power and the promise has been uncovered within them, which is good. So that's the first key, knowledge and revelation. So let's look at verse 19. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. Verse 22, Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes uh-oh, and commanded them to be beaten with rods. Verse 23, And when they laid many stripes on them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet with stocks. This is a bigger problem, isn't it? Now they're facing a greater challenge. They've just accessed a promise through knowledge and revelation of authority. Yes, we have all authority. And now they're facing a problem They're facing a challenge which is contrary to that promise. They're stuck in prison. That's a big impossibility. It does not look like they have all authority over every work of the enemy. And see, we see this passage throughout Scripture. Oh, sorry, we see this pattern throughout Scripture. 
you may see it in your life, that the enemy does not like believers. He doesn't like people who are going after the promises of God. He does not like people who are progressing. See, Paul and Silas, they're progressing in their assignment. He doesn't like believers who do that, who are accessing their covenant rights. And so what he does, he's a one-trick pony, but what he does, he pulls a few strings in the natural, brings a couple of natural circumstances along to try to steal your promise. He wants to get you out of your promises today. The only way he can do it is through a natural circumstance. Mark chapter 4, verse 17 tells us this. You've got the parable of the, of the seeds, the farmer who is God. He sows the seed, which is the word, or, or it could be a promise or, or, or revelation into your heart, which is a picture of the, which is the soil in the parable. And it says, all these things come. All these things come along that the enemy tries to bring to steal the seed. And it says, when persecution comes for the word's sake. So what's that saying? Jesus is saying, we live in a world where there's an adversary. So challenges will come. Problems will come. But God's saying, when you partner with me, you can actually get the gold out of that. And what the enemy meant to steal your revelation, God will actually strengthen it in you. So during this time, if you're facing challenges at the moment, don't let a natural circumstance, don't let something that looks impossible, that looks contrary to God's word, steal your promise. Just because you don't see it in the natural doesn't mean it's yours. And so the enemy, this is what he does. This is what he's doing to Paul and Silas. Greater persecution, greater problem. So let's see. We're in verse 25. But at midnight, I already like this, but at midnight, I mean, they're facing this problem, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. So they're worshiping. And the prisoners were listening to them. That's a great reaction, isn't it? How's that? They're facing this great problem. They're facing this impossibility in the natural. But they're praying and worshipping. They're singing hymns. What are they doing? They're operating in faith, aren't they? You're operating faith. See, there's always two perspectives we can take in life. There's always a natural perspective. We can see things in the natural without God in the picture. It doesn't place God in the picture and you just see it for what it is. It's a natural perspective. It, brings, it can bring doubt, unbelief, it brings fear, anxiety, worry. Or there's God's perspective. Or there's a perspective of faith. So there's two, there's two things we can take. And see, Paul and Silas, what are they doing? They're choosing their perspective of faith. Because only one of them can access the promise, can't it? Only one. You know, Hebrews 4 lays that out for us, that you know, the gospel was preached to us as well and to them. They were the Israelites. But it didn't profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith by those who heard it. It wasn't mixed with faith. They didn't choose to believe. They didn't choose to believe it. See, my Bible says, and this is the amazing thing, right? My Bible says that in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, that Jesus says, whoever you know, has faith, the size of a mustard seed. How, how big is a mustard seed? It's really small, isn't it? It's the faith the size of a mustard seed. And if, if you're like me, I always ask questions to God. I'll read a scripture. And so I'm asking this question. Okay, Jesus. Because you know, how, how much... You know, we, we, there's a lot of great sermons on faith, isn't there? We all, we all know the principle of faith. 
But it's like, well, how much faith do you need? You know, how, how much faith do I need, God? And, and Jesus says, the faith the size of a mustard seed. You can say to this mountain, you can say to this impossibility you're facing, you can say to this challenge, be cast into the sea and it will be done for you with mustard seed faith. That's really amazing, but really annoying too. Small faith. doesn't have to be big. So let's let the Bible interpret the Bible. Romans 12.3 says that we have the measure of faith. We do. So we have that mustard seed faith within us. It's not like, it's not like I have to go get it. See, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit, what He does is He comes into your spirit, He renews you, and then all of a sudden, He doesn't just say, all right, now you've got to do life alone. Now you've just got to go, struggle and strive. Go get your own faith. No, He places the measure of faith within you. We have the same, we have the same spirit of faith as Jesus. Amen. The same faith that, that cleansed the lepers. The same faith that rose the dead. The same faith that cast out demons is living in you today. In you. It's amazing, isn't it? The same faith. See, I'm concerned. You might realize that because I'm getting a bit worked up. But I'm concerned about people who, don't, who say, well, I just don't have faith for that. I don't have faith. I'm like, well, really? Have you, have you read your Bible? Have you read it? Because he puts the faith in you. He doesn't say, go get it all on your own. He puts it in you. And so what's our issue then? What is our issue if we've already got the faith within us? The issue is the natural mindset. The issue is doubt and unbelief when we operate in that. The disciples in Matthew chapter 17, they're trying to cast out a demon. And Jesus comes down. They can't do it. And he goes, bang, get out. It's done. The demon gets cast out. And they come up to him later and they say, well, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we do it? And he says, it's because of your doubt and unbelief. In the book of James, he who doubts is like a man who's tossed to and fro by the sea. You know, doubt and unbelief. So how do we overcome these things in our life? You know, I was thinking, how do we overcome doubt and unbelief? If, if we've already got the faith within us to access the promise. Doubt says... And this is me simplifying it. You know, you could go into a lot of detail into this. But this is simplifying it. Doubt says, God, I know you have the power to do it. I know you can do it. But will you? But will you? God, I know you have the power to heal me. But will you? God, I know you have the power to prosper my business. But will you? It's an issue with God's will, isn't it? Unbelief. Unbelief says, God... I don't believe you can do it. It's literally the opposite to belief. God, I don't believe you can do that. I don't believe you can heal me. I don't believe you can prosper me. You know, it's the opposite to belief, isn't it? And so how do we overcome these in our lives? Well, if doubt is an issue with God's will, then I have to understand God's will. Knowing God's will is going to overcome my doubt. So yes, Jesus, he perfectly represented the Father, Whenever anyone who was sick, whenever he crossed their path or came to him, he never said, oh, well, bad luck. No, he healed everyone. Healed everyone. So yes, God, uh, the will of God is to heal. So I know that. 
So you overcome doubt. Unbelief. And I mean, and this is the mental battle. This is this is where it's really annoying because unbelief, what's the what's the cure? It's literally to believe. You've got to choose to believe. You've got to choose to believe. It can be a mental battle sometimes. Sometimes you don't want to choose to believe. But you have to choose to believe today. And see, this is why uh, Paul says to Timothy, you know, and we know the scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, you know, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. It's because there's a fight, isn't there? You know, we're in a war. There's a fight. But see, it gives me comfort to know that the greatest fight I face isn't actually my impossibility, isn't my problem. The greatest fight I face, I face is, am I going to choose to operate in faith? Am I going to choose to believe? That's the greatest fight. The enemy wants to get me operating in unbelief, doubt, in a natural mindset. But I've got to say, okay, I'm going to win this. Am I going to choose to operate in faith today? Am I going to wake up? And whatever problem I'm facing, am I going to choose to operate in faith? See, that's the fight we face. And so Paul and Silas, they face this issue. And there's a few pointers here. They're operating in faith. But there's a few little keys in this on, on how, do we, how do we get some encouragement in doing that. And if you look at verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas. So Paul and Silas. So there's two of them, isn't there? This tells me you know, there's not just one, there's two. So that tells me if I'm struggling to choose to operate in faith, then I need to get people of faith around me. I need to get people around me who have faith too, who come and say, no, no, you can do it. Operate in faith. Keep doing this. But sometimes you just can't let people around you who, who aren't bringing faith. Are they getting me to operate in faith? Or are they making me part with a natural perspective? And we see this next point, praying and singing hymns, praying and worshipping. That's what they were doing. So it tells me that there's power in prayer and worship. Yeah. If you're facing your impossibility today, there's power in prayer and worship. Amen. And the prisoners were listening to them. So think about it. How do you think they were praying and worshipping? You know, Paul knows the will of God, doesn't he? But how do you think he was praying and worshipping? Was he going, well, oh God, you know, yep, we're in this problem, maybe... Uh, Maybe if you can make it comfortable for us, you know, maybe some popcorn, uh, maybe a TV, a couch would be nice because my back's sore. Um, you know, how, how do you think they were doing it? Praying and worshipping. Would you be listening to that? If you're, fa- if you're in the same problem as they are, would you be listening to that prayer and worship? Because I wouldn't be. Maybe they were praying knowing the will of God. Yes, we have all authority over every work of the enemy. Thank you, God, for the breakthrough. We praise you. We are worshipping you in spirit and in truth, in faith, in their spirit standing, knowing that they're sons of God, and in truth. The truth is, is that we're victorious in Christ, and so we're praising you for the, work, for the breakthrough, God. And I would be listening to that. If you're facing a problem today and you're praying and worshipping like that, I'll be listening to you. It's good, isn't it? And so Paul and Silas, they're choosing to operate in faith. So that's the second key. So we've got knowledge and revelation. So you know the promise. So whatever problem we're facing, we know, we know a promise for it. Get a promise. We partner with the Holy Spirit. Get revelation. And then we choose to operate in faith. You got it. Faith is the only way we can access the promise today. And there's a last point in this. Let's look. So Paul and Silas, 
praying, worshipping, the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, everyone say suddenly. Suddenly, suddenly, suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. You see that? All the doors were opened, everyone's chains were loosed. God's power showed up. They accessed the promise. But what was the last thing they did? Now, if you know your English grammar, I'm studying Greek at the moment, so I have to know grammar. It's a bit annoying, really, once you get into the, the nitty-gritty of it. But if you know your grammar, praying, worshipping, what type of words are they? That's it. They're verbs, aren't they? They're doing words. So what are they doing? They're acting. Paul and Silas are acting on the promise that, yes, we have all authority over the works of the enemy, so we're going to act on this. So that's the third key, is you have to act on your promise today. You know, how, how many times do we see in the Gospels, you know, Jesus in Luke chapter 17, he, he, the, he walks past, there's 10 lepers, and they say, Master, cleanse us. Master, cleanse us. So Jesus is like, well, good, you believe. Yep, you're believing, that's great. So go show yourself to the high priest. Go. Go show yourself. This is an act. See, faith has, your faith has an expression today. Faith always has an expression. It bears fruit, doesn't it? Yeah. Your faith bears fruit. This is what the book of James is talking about. It's not, it's not works for salvation, but he's talking about your faith bearing fruit. And the fruit is action. You have to act on the promise. Yeah. Acting on the promise. I mean, it's simple, but sometimes it's risky, isn't it? You know, sometimes it requires to, to take a risk, to step out into the deep end. Sometimes it requires to put your, your reputation on the line. So, but whatever the promise is, think about, okay, I know this promise, but then how, how am I going to act on this now? How am I going to act on it? And so, you know, you look at Mark chapter uh, 17, verse 19, all these amazing, amazing things. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, you know, they'll cast out demons, they'll speak with new tongues. You know, all these awesome things. They'll lay hands on the sick, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So you have to act. If I want to access that promise today, then I have to act, don't I? You look at Paul and Silas, they're praying, praying and worshipping. They're continuous, repeated words, aren't they? So, you know, it doesn't tell me that they just went, yep, yep, pray, thank you, God. That's it. They, they, weren't doing, they weren't doing it for a minute. They weren't doing it for 10 minutes, were they? Because that's just an act. No, they could have been doing it for hours. They could have been doing this for hours, praying, worshipping, but keeping on acting, acting, acting. You know, I, this was probably about a year ago, and I was, I was going for a run. I was, uh, I was going for a jog. For those who know me, God has placed a desire within me to run. I haven't found out why yet. I'm going for this run, and I see, I see this guy, and he has a problem with his wrist. And so I'm thinking, well, you know, okay. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act on the promise that the Holy Spirit can work through me to heal people. The Holy Spirit can work through me. So I go up to this guy, and he's a lovely man. Long story short, I, uh, I lay hands, I was just like, can I pray for you? Lay hands on his wrist. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. And I was a bit deflated. I was a bit like, and looking back on it, I should have acted again. But I didn't. I acted once. So I acted on that promise. Nothing happened. And some of us have been in this situation where we act on a promise 
and nothing happens. Paul and Silas, they're acting. Nothing's happening. And so I go to church the following week and we're in the, the car park out the back and there was one of, the, one of the younger girls, she had a problem with her back. I can't remember what it was, but it was an issue. And I remember thinking, you know, I don't know about you, but voices start popping into my head. And, and these voices, one voice is, oh, you know, pray for her. You know, come on, you can do it. You know. The other voice is, don't do it. Don't do it. What happened last week? What happened? You made a fool of yourself. You know, you've got these two voices. And it's a, it's a battle of the mind, it is. Acting on a promise, is a, it's a battle. You know, it's a challenge. But see, you've got to win it. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, God, it didn't, it didn't. I acted on it once and it didn't happen. And see, a lot of us can do this is we, and it, we create theology. And theology is just an understanding of God, of his nature, of who he is. And we create theology out of experience. And that's a dangerous place to be because, you know, you look at cessationists, you look at people who don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit for today. And mainly, the, the whole reason they don't is out of their experience. They've never experienced it, so I'm not going to believe it. And so what we, t- we can do is we've acted on it, I've experienced something bad, so I don't, no, I'm just not going to do it again. And we draw back. But see, what are Paul and Silas doing? They're praying, they're worshipping, they keep acting. And so I'm thinking, oh, all right, you know what? Yep, let's just do it. So I've got some young girls around me, people of faith. That's key, isn't it? And, uh, and, you know, just quick, doesn't have to be anything amazing. Just lay hands, boom, we spoke God's word, and she was healed. She was healed. Her back was pain-free. Amazing, isn't it? But the point is, the point I got from that is that you've got to keep persevering. You've got to keep acting on the promise. See, my Bible says that faith perseveres. Your faith perseveres. So you've got to keep acting on the promises today. Paul and Silas, praying and worshipping for ages. Come on, God. Breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. They're praising God for something that hasn't even happened yet. But they keep acting. Don't let a bad experience stop you from acting on your promise today. See, what happens is they keep going. At midnight, hopeless situation. You know, think of they're in prison. It's not looking good but they keep going. They keep acting. Great faith and keep acting. And what happens? Suddenly, suddenly, God's power shows up. Suddenly. See, they act. See, when you act in the natural, God's supernatural power shows up on that. When you act in the natural, you access the promise. It's amazing, isn't it? This is incredible. Paul and Silas, they're stuck in this impossibility See, we're all facing impossibilities, but they're acting, and all of a sudden, God's power shows up. Didn't show up straight away, but they kept acting. Yeah. And, you know, I've probably harped on this one long enough, but it's an important one. It's important. And so we see this, that whatever impossibility we're facing today, you know, it could be really big, could be really small. But we take these principles. We see that Paul and Silas had this overcoming mindset where whatever problem we're going to face, we're going to access the promise. So firstly, we, we get a promise, don't we? Whatever problem you're facing, whatever issue, whatever impossibility, get a promise. 
Get a scripture, just one, but just get it in your head. Get it in your head. But then it's got to get down here, doesn't it? It's got to get down here. So we need to partner with the Holy Spirit. You partner with the Holy Spirit and He brings revelation to you. So you say, yes, Holy Spirit, reveal this to me. Show me the power in this promise. You know, I partner with you. And then we stand firm. When a problem comes, we don't let the enemy steal it. Don't let the enemy steal your revelation today. He's a thief. That's all he wants to do. That's all he wants to do. He doesn't like believers who are operating their covenant rights. And the only thing he can do is once you're saved is to stop you from having abundant life. And so he wants to steal. So we stand firm on the promise. And then operate in faith. We choose to operate in faith. Keep choosing to operate in faith every day. Yep, I'm operating in faith today, God. I'm operating in faith. We choose. Sometimes it's a choice, but you've got to win that fight of faith today. And then we've got acting on the promise. So you've got to act on it. You know, your faith has an expression and it's in action. It can be a risk, but you've got to act on the promise today. And look what happened. And this is just, and this is finishing up, but immediately, so they've acted on the promise, all the doors are opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Do we see that? See, people who face the same problem, they got freedom too. Did you notice that? See, that tells me that when you access a promise, when, when, you, when you keep persevering and access a promise, it's not just for you. It's not just for you. It's for others as well. It's for those around you. It's for those in your sphere of influence. It's for, those, it's your, for your friends you see every day. It's for your co-workers. It's for people in your church. The promise is not just for you. It's for others as well. And we look at that. Look, Peter's shadow in Acts. What does it say? He, he walked along the street and they would lay the sick out on the sides and what would happen is his shadow would touch the sick and they were healed. What do, we, do we think it was a, a, a normal shadow? Did, did, was his healing power gone when, it, when the night came? You know, when his shadow disappeared, did it did not happen anymore. Like, oh, we, bet, we better, quick, quick, there's 10 minutes left of light. I don't think so. It's the anointing, isn't it? It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. As he was walking along and he'd accessed a promise of healing and, and, and it, it had gone so much out of him that others received the overflow. Yeah. And see, that's where we want to be today, isn't it? Yeah. That, you know, we've accessed this promise, but then it's overflowing to others as well. It's setting other people free. Yeah. All the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Yeah. So you set others free when you access the promise. And it's not just for you. That's amazing, isn't it? That's incredible. And so these are our covenant rights today. You know, these are our promises. And I want to encourage you. You know, we're children of God, sons and daughters. They're our covenant rights. So take a hold. Grab a hold of these principles. Grab a hold of them. You know, know the promise. Revelation. Choose to operate in faith. Act on it. Because when you grab a hold of these... You're operating that overcoming mindset. You're operating that mindset where, no, 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 I'm a child of God. These are mine, and I'm not going to accept anything less than what the Word says about me. I'm not going to accept it. doesn't matter what I see in the natural. I'm not going to accept it today. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you've equipped us 
You've equipped us to live as overcomers. Thank you that you've equipped us to win the fight of faith today. That whatever problem, whatever challenge, whatever impossibility we're facing in the natural, you've equipped us to overcome. You haven't left us on our own, but you've given us great faith. You've given us great ability. Your anointing works within us to live as overcomers, to say to the mountain, be moved, to walk by faith and not by sight. So we thank you for that, Holy Spirit. We declare over every impossibility, anything you're facing today, just put it in your mind and declare. We declare, Holy Spirit, over that situation that we have great faith and it must be moved in Jesus' name. We will not partner with a natural perspective. We will not partner with doubt and unbelief, but we will overcome. We'll overcome. We keep choosing to operate in faith. We keep choosing to act on the promise because it's ours today. It's yours today. It's yours today. So we declare over every problem, Father, over everything we face today and over everything we'll ever face, we speak your victory. We speak your victory over it, God. We speak your victory over it, Holy Spirit. We speak your victory, Father. Greater is he who lives in us than he who is in the world. We praise you like Paul and Silas, God. We praise you, Lord, for the breakthrough. Even though we can't see it yet, even though you can't see it yet, you praise him for the breakthrough because you know it's yours. It's yours today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just as Dean was praying today, I sensed in my heart that the Lord was saying, particularly to some men who there's been frustration in your marriage and you're, it feels like there's, there's been, uh, that there's, it's almost like you've been pulling and, and you're frustrated because you feel like you're not on the same page. And I, tr I just believe God's saying there are promises for everything that you need. To begin to speak the word of the Lord over your partner. For those that in a workplace and you're frustrated, you feel like it's a dead end. There are promises for you today. And as Dean said, the promises are yes and they are amen. And he would say to you today, do not give up. Do not give up. Do not grow weary in well-doing. Do not give up. Do not listen to the lie of the enemy who would say it's all over, it's too hard, it can never change. Because he is the God who says, I can do the impossible. He's a mighty miracle-working God. So I want to encourage you today that wherever there are areas where you feel like there, are, there is hopelessness, God's promises are able. God's promises are able. And we speak glorious hope to every, every area of our life. We will not allow areas in our life where the promises don't have access. But we do that today, Lord. We say in every area of our life, your promises are yes and amen. Let's just say that before we close, though. Lord, just 
Lord, every area of my life, finances, relationships, work, Lord, your promises, they reign in my life. Hallelujah. Your word reigns in our life. We thank you for that, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Do not listen to the lies of the enemy. Do not listen to his lies. Do not listen to the lies you've tried once, twice, three times. Keep going, keep going. Do not quit. Do not be weary in well-doing. For there's a due season. There's a due season, church. Did you hear me? There's a due season. There's a due season. It may have been in the ground a long time, that seed that you've sown, but there is a due season. And God is faithful to his promise. He is eternally faithful to his word. So we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the word, Lord, that's gone out today. And we know it will not return void, but it will accomplish everything that you set it forth to do. So as a church, we receive the word that's come out today. Lord, we thank you that's bearing fruit in our life. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen.